Awesome. Thanks, Pete. So good. So, yeah, we're at the, at the last week of our Cautionary Tale series. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, as you look through the Bible, we often see these incredible leaders, these people that have done incredible things. We see their faith. We see their obedience. We see the miracles that take place. And, and we're inspired by them. You know, we, 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 we want to be like those people. But then there's the others that maybe didn't finish so well, and their lives can actually be cautionary tales for us. They can be cautions for us to learn from. Uh, A rich, well, like a successful businessman, an older man was talking with a younger uh, guy just starting out in business. And the younger guy says, I've got some questions. He says, how did you become so successful? And the man says, by making good decisions. He says, so so I'm kind of new to this. How do I make good decisions? He says, make bad ones. The bad ones teach you how to make good ones. How many people can identify with a few bad decisions in your life? There's a few hands right there. Oh, I've made some monumental mistakes in my life, in my leadership, and my relationships with people. I remember one time very early on in our, in our leadership of a church, and uh, I, I made the mistake of listening to what somebody said about another person. And so I took their opinion of this person into this first conversation I ever had with this person. Meet them for the first time, but I already knew who they were, right? No, I didn't. And I went in with that conversation that was had previously into this conversation with this person for the first time. And my words completely destroyed them. And they, 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 they wept. They ran out of the room. It's like, welcome to leadership. Welcome to stupidity, Mike. And I had to go after them and, and apologize. Ask them to forgive me. Ask them to give me another chance. You know, a lesson I learned there, give people a fresh start. Give people the opportunity of that first, that first meeting. I had another pastor tell me they could give me a list of all the problems of the people that, of the church I was taking over. I said, no, thank you. How about I meet them for the first time and uh, make my own opinion on that? But you know what? So often we like to learn from other people's mistakes, but we still prefer to make our own. But what if we could learn from these cautionary tales and we could actually take these things and apply them to our own lives? I believe we could move a whole lot further forward by taking on the wisdom advice. How many people have been enjoying the series? It's, it's been a little bit of a somber series in the sense that it's like, oh, oh, that got me again. It's like, oh, is that another thing I've got to deal with? But how many people want to be a bit more like Jesus every day? Uh, in Bible college, we were taught that every sermon is a summons for repentance. Amen to that one. This series has felt like that, hasn't it? It's like, God, you want to do something in my life? And I believe as we wrap the series up that God is still wanting to do some more. You know, God is doing an incredible work in this place at the moment and in the, in the church family of Elam Whangarei. He's not done with us yet. There's more to come as we would come closer to him, as we would listen and as we would learn. So would you pray as we uh, close off our series this morning? Heavenly Father, Dad, Abba, you love us so much. You love your kids. We're here as your kids, messing up, making mistakes, trying to, trying to do what you're asking us to do. But we, we get it wrong sometimes. But God, I pray we wouldn't go and run and hide behind the curtains. We wouldn't go and hide the door and close behind the door. But God, we would say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Heavenly Father. 
May, may our hearts be so responsive to your voice that we'd never run and hide from you, but we would present ourselves and that we would just offer these things to you and you would heal us and make our hearts whole. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, we'll save the best to last. We're looking at Judas. Judas Iscariot. Now, the, the opinions on Judas is quite a wide spectrum. There's, there's those that, you know, he's like the villain of all villains. He's the epitome of, of human evil. You know, he's the betrayer of Christ. You know, when you, when you think betrayal, you think Judas. It's kind of like, you know, Judas has got this, you know, this kind of evilness about him. But then there's another thought that says, well, was Judas just a tragic pawn in the whole story where somebody had to betray Jesus and did he really get a choice? Was it not just a part of the story? Now, as we look at Judas's life today, we've got to understand that Judas, like all of us, made decisions, decisions that determined his future. If we want to follow God, we, we, we make a process of a whole lot of different decisions. Now, the decisions we make determine where we find ourselves. We can learn from Judas's decisions that we need to follow after a heart after God. There's a couple of things that we're going to look at this morning that I believe will help us get closer to God. Judas doesn't appear too often in Scripture, but he does appear enough in order for us to get a bit of an idea of his journey. Now, Judas was one of them chosen by Jesus, one of the 12. In Luke 6.16, it says, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Interesting to know and important to realize that when Jesus chose Judas, he wasn't the traitor. That was a decision he made. It was where he went to. It's a decision he got to. But he wasn't always. The decisions he made led him to that point. But Jesus trusted him. He chose him. He says, Judas, you're going to be one of my guys. You're going to walk with me. You're going to experience all the intimate conversations that no one else gets. I'm going to teach you like no one else has been taught. You're going to sit in a room and have dinner with me. We're going to travel together. We're going to do all of these things together. Judas was there when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was there when, Judas was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When they fed the 5,000, Judas was there distributing the, the loaves and the fishes. Walked home with a basket under his arm going, what a day. Judas was there. Judas experiences when Jesus sent them out in, in twos to go out and begin to preach the gospel and pray for people. They came back. They were so pumped. It was like the best missions trip ever. They came back and said, we saw people, demons cast out of people. We saw people healed. Judas was there. We can be so close to God and be one decision away from stepping out of that relationship. Judas made some decisions that determined his future. Decisions he didn't learn from, but decisions we can learn from. Here's a cautionary tale of a man who went from devoted follower to defiant betrayer. What were the decisions? Well, we don't see all of the, the decisions that Judas made. We don't see it kind of mapped out for us, but we can follow the story and we can actually see some key things, some key decisions that Judas made that actually determined where he ended up. Sin crept into his heart and that sin resulted in a course of action that he took. So let's look at where Judas appears most significantly in the Bible text. It's around about a week before the crucifixion. 
Simon the leper, the tag the leper was added to his name. He was a Pharisee. Pharisees were keepers of the law. They were strict keepers of the law. Very important when you realize that Simon was a leper. He was hosting a dinner party. And so, uh, so, so he invited Jesus and his disciples, and they came. What we need to know is that if he was Simon the leper, he probably wasn't Simon the leper anymore. Because the law would say, and as a keeper of the law, as a Pharisee, he wouldn't have been able to be inside the town. He would have been outside of the city. And so Jesus had clearly healed him. Where he had found healing, maybe through one of the disciples, we don't know. But he was healed. As a result of that, he was hosting this dinner party. And Lazarus and his sisters, Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead, Mary and Martha are present. And Mary comes in with this, this jar of perfume. And, and breaks this jar open and, and, and pours it out over Jesus and anoints him. And this is the moment where we see Judas step up. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of ointment, of anointing oil. John 12, verse 4 to 9, it says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor. It was worth a year's wage. So imagine what you earn, and that's the value of what it was to them. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, Mark tells us what happens next. Mark 14, 10, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. I want to talk about two things, two failures that, that, that happen in Judas's life that we can learn from. That if we can deal with these two things, I believe we won't go down the same path that Judas went down. Number one, unaddressed sin. Unaddressed sin. The Apostle John, also one of the disciples, tells us Judas was the man in charge of the money. And he also would help himself to the money. So he carried the money bag, and then he slipped a little bit into his pocket. I don't know if tunics had pockets or not but maybe he had another little money bag stashed in behind verse 5 it says he was a thief as keeper of the money bag he used to help himself to what was put in it judas the disciple was a thief but not just a thief he was a thief of friends betrayal starts small little seeds creep in a little seed of sin got in there judas had an issue with money he knew what he was doing because he hid it See, Jesus confronted sin in other disciples' lives, and it would appear that they dealt with those sins and moved forward. Judas clearly did not. If you'd asked Judas, maybe he would have said it's not a big deal. Maybe he would have justified it. He says, well, I've got this extra responsibility in our team, and so I'm just going to take my admin card. Yeah? Maybe he was thinking, well, we've given up so much, Jesus. We've had to give up our jobs, our lucrative careers. Come on, a little bit of pocket money on the side can't be a bad thing. 
See, we can justify sin, can't we? We can say, well, maybe it's not as bad as, as we think it is. Is this sin in my life, in your life, that we've overlooked? You know, things that we've, you know, habits or behaviors or, or, or things that have crept in, attitudes that actually is sin that we need to deal with. You know, it's just a little outburst of anger. But those words cut somebody deeply. It's just a little sex scene in a movie. But that's unholy. It's just a few drinks. I wasn't really that drunk. Getting away with addictions, thinking that it's okay. At least I'm not as bad, and this is the worst, at least I'm not as bad as this person. And this is what we do. We want to compare ourselves to somebody slightly worse than us, don't we? And then we go, well, there's my benchmark. I didn't quite fall to that depth. But God's saying, actually, I want to set a standard of holiness that can only be found in righteousness through Jesus Christ. Not, not a whole lot of righteous acts, not, not, not me trying to be a good person, but me saying, God, I want to be like your son, Jesus. Show me how to do it. That, that invitation that, that, that Pete gave us this morning, that, that we, we would open our eyes. God, God, we invite you to show us what we need to do. What an invitation is given to all of us to deal with unaddressed sin. This is where sin got a foothold in Judas's life. And the issue of Judas and money, Judas and money became an issue, became a thread that eventually became a noose around his neck. What we need to realize is that our actions come preloaded with consequences. When we make a decision, there is going to be a fallout. So often we don't think about the fallout when we do the one action. But our actions come preloaded with consequences. You can't love money and love God. Jesus was very clear about that. If you love money, you, if, if you try to love both, you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to love God and hate money, or you're going to hate, hate money and love God. The other way around. <laughs> but is there anything that you've got to deal with? God's wanting you to, to look at in your life. Here's the problem. Sin is a big deal. And, and sometimes we look at sin on a scale and say, this is worse than this. Sin is sin. The problem with sin is it's death. It's destruction. Sin separates us from God. It's the very thing that separates us from a loving father. It's God who loves us so much. says, I want everything and I want to give you everything. But I can't because of the sin that separates. Because God is a holy God and he can't change. So a way was made for us through Jesus, but we have to confess our sins. We have to rend our hearts as we were talking about this morning, singing about this morning. We have to do something ourselves. God doesn't do that. He takes it away when we give it to him. But we have to deliver it to him. We have to say, here is my life, God. I give this to you. Please forgive me. I believe God is doing a great work in this place. There's such a stirring towards holiness in Elam Whangarei. I'm having so many wonderful conversations and challenging and difficult conversations as God is stirring us to a greater level of holiness. As I said before, it's not us just trying to be better people. It's us turning our hearts to God and saying, God, we give you everything. 
Second area is unresolved offense. Unresolved offense. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. This was Judas's response. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. Leave her alone. I want to see it as a, a strict, leave her alone. You've got this wrong, Judas. And Judas seeing the missed opportunity to skim more money, maybe that's what it was. It's like, man, that's a whole year's wage. My cut from that, this is good. The Judas retirement fund is starting to look good. My pension's going to kick in and it's looking really healthy. Hey, I thought that was going to come into our coffers. Jesus, we should sell that. Give the money to the poor and myself. Judas got offended. And he actually he kind of puts it out there and says, no, this is wrong. So Judas puts out this, this holier-than-thou kind of response. It's like, hey, that's wrong. We should give it to the poor. And everyone would go, yeah, that's a great idea. But that's not what he was actually thinking. That wasn't the motive of his heart. And Jesus challenged his very outcry. Now, I believe the best way to confront and deal with a, with a challenge is one-on-one in the, in the privacy of a room not in the public outcry. I don't think public rebukes necessarily work so well, but sometimes when something's spoken publicly, it has to be dealt with publicly. When when, when something is is wrong, it has to be addressed publicly as well. And so Judas chose to give his opinion out in a public forum, and so Jesus had to rebuke him publicly. This is what happens. He, he, He says, leave her alone, Jesus replied. So Jesus brings this teaching and, and, and brings this correction to Judas, and then immediately Judas goes out and he betrays Jesus. Now, I don't think that that was the one time Jesus was upset or Judas was upset with Jesus. You know, you don't, you don't get told off by your boss and then go and betray them. Plot their murder, right? <laughs> I hope you don't. <laughs> no one's ever thinking that. <laughs> But I wonder if this was an accumulation of offense. I I wonder if Judas had started to build things in his heart. I wonder if there were things, maybe Jesus, maybe Judas didn't like Jesus teaching on money. Didn't serve his purposes. Give it away. (laughs) Give to the poor. Bless others. Judas is like, but I don't get any of that then. Maybe he was offended that Jesus wasn't the king that they thought he was going to be. Maybe he was expecting more of a triumphant rule and reign, horses, armies, killing people. Maybe that's what Judas was after. Maybe Judas didn't like the generosity that Jesus talked about and preached about. Small disappointments can lead to a moment where offense happened and was held on to. Unresolved offense will take you down a road you don't want to go. They say the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I wonder if it's actually the road to hell is paved with offenses not dealt with. Offense locks us in jail, locks us in prison. Do you have any unresolved offenses? Any unforgiveness towards anyone, maybe even God? Maybe you've shaken your fist at God and said, God, you've made this happen to me. You allowed this to happen to me. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to let our emotions out. 
But in our anger, we're told not to sin. Maybe our offense is towards God. Maybe it's towards somebody else. As the team come this morning, I want to invite us to do something about these two things. I I believe that that there's, there's like a blanket of grace that God has placed over our place right now. It's like our home has been draped in grace. Like an extra measure, I don't know, I'm just, I just, just feeling it, just sensing it and talking with a number of our leadership team. It's just like some of the difficult things are being able to be dealt with. I, I know I can personally testify to this. I've had a couple of, a couple of challenging weeks where, where people have even come and brought some stuff to me and said, hey, Mike, you're not doing so well in this area. Now I can take two, two responses to that put up my guard, <laughs> fight the battle, or I can go, actually, this person's speaking some truth. You're right. Thank you. Would you pray with me? And I'm talking with my team, our leadership team, and the same conversations are happening with lots of us. It's almost as though God has just given us a little shake, just shaking to see what we're built on. What's the foundation of this this family believing it's going to be a foundation of holiness righteousness and right living through Jesus Christ I believe God's grace is here right now the song that we just sang the song written by Sarah Gomez Rend now I want to honor you Sarah I wasn't going to do this but I want to honor you Because this isn't for your glory. This is for God's glory, I'm saying this. You have rendered your heart. You, you have said, God, I'm giving you everything. As a result of that, worship has flown out. Keep writing the songs. This is the first of many that are going to be released into this nation. Keep rending your heart. But you know what? It's... it's It's a decision we have to make. We have to say, God, I'm going to submit myself to you. But will we do it? Will we choose to? Psalm 133. The psalmist declares, where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. And the blessing talks about the oil being poured over, over the head and it goes down the beard and down the shoulders and down, down the body. When there's a heart for unity, that flows, flows out. But unity isn't always easy because unity means we've got to deal with stuff. Differences. Sometimes we can disagree on our differences and that's fine. That can still be unity. But sometimes we've got to align ourselves to God's way of thinking, shift ourselves, rend our hearts so that we could be more like Him. Amen? So with every head bowed, I close. I, I just, I, I believe God wants to do a work in our hearts, in every single one of our hearts. And in this area of unconfessed sin or unresolved offense 
No one's looking around at the moment, but if, if that's you, if you fall into one of those categories, can you just do something brave and just raise your hand so that's me? Yeah, look at that, all over the place. God doing a work. Acknowledging, you know, that's the first thing. You can pop your hand down now, thank you. When we acknowledge it, that's the first step to freedom. My next question is, would you give God permission now to take that away from you? If you give it to him, you are free. The Bible says, the Son has set you free. You are free indeed. Every sin, every offense. And maybe for, for the very first time, you're giving your life to God. You're saying, God, I've got to give my life completely to you. I'm going to include you in that prayer this morning as well. So would you just repeat this prayer as a, as a prayer of confession to God, asking God to forgive us, to make our relationships right, to make our relationship with Him right. Heavenly Father, we don't want to live like Judas. We want to live like you, Jesus, who lived in humility, Please forgive me for the sin in my life. And just take a moment just in your heart just to, to say what that thing is. God, I confess. Gossip. God, I confess this addiction in my life. God, I turn from the language that I've been using. God, please forgive me. Pray this. God, forgive me. Make my heart clean. Make me new. Teach me how to walk in holiness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hand you to Peter as he closes the service, and then we're going to just continue to worship.